What's good? Thank you for tuning into this month's 520 Collective Podcast, where we're talking with Blacklick. He's a radio host in Richmond, Virginia, and he's going to explain to us why it is that radio is not dead. In fact, it still plays a major role in today's music industry, as well as if you're doing this for the culture, how are you going to do it if you don't understand what your culture is in the first place? All that and more coming up on this episode. Let's go. Hey, yeah, message heavy, don't rhyme, show, they not ready, race against the time like four wheels and hands ready, keep it steady, beat it hard and they barely give them ears and hear the truth when the light blow confetti, yeah, message heavy, don't rhyme, show, they not ready, race against the time like four wheels and hands ready, keep it steady, beat it hard and they barely give them ears and hear the truth when the light blow confetti, just a flip of the watch, it's game time, game time, time, time. flip of the watch, it's game time, game vibes, just a flip of the watch, it's game time, game time. Five twenty collective. Listen every day, or get robbed. I'm kidding. <laughs> What's up, and welcome to the Five Twenty Collective podcast, where music meets ministry and the indie artist takes center stage. I'm Eric Boston. Hit me up on Twitter at Eric Boston Three, and with me is my guy Zero for Hire. What's up, dude? Broadcasting live from the windy, rainy state of Michigan. Yeah, man. I mean, is that all? It's just windy and rainy? There's nothing else That's happening? all. It's been for like three weeks. That's sad, man. That's sad. <laughs> it's uh, ridiculous. So how you been, dude? It's been, it's been a month. It has been a month. It's been quite a month. Um, I've been good. We've got some, uh, you know, the girls are always doing projects and stuff, and we're doing a lot of renovations around the house. So it's it's been a lot of changes, but it's a good good changes, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, some changes around uh, these parts with 520 as well. I mean, I know last month we talked about kind of a state of the union and uh, where some things were. And I think, you know, as a team kind of behind the scenes, we've been doing, you know, we've just been diving into that a little bit more. So I'm excited, though, for kind of the direction it feels like we're being led right now, man. I think there's some some cool stuff potentially coming up for us. I mean, how, how do you feel about that? I feel like 520 is getting... A good amount of attention I, i'm just excited to see how that unfolds it's surprising you know it, it seems effortless and i know you put in the work but just to watch these doors open it's it's exciting time right now yeah man and you know that, i'm being vague on purpose that's fine it's fine i'm gonna i'm gonna try to maybe go from the vague and narrow it down and be a little bit more specific here um because one thing we've been talking about and and some people may have noticed some changes like on our social media just the way some of the branding um is on there uh you know we've kind of changed our tag if you will you know you might see indie christian culture on there now and that's because we're being very um intentional i think we're being kind of led down this path of how can we really highlight and support people that are doing stuff for the indie christian culture and that's something i wanted to talk about like i I was reading some different things and and i want to talk about one one thing that i read that i'm not sure if you like we're we're doing this on the fly here so i might hit zero with something that he's not prepared for but some of the stuff i've saw this past week got me to thinking and, and how it tied into what we're doing with indie christian culture and that's this idea of understanding your culture so that you can have an impact right you know uh, we see a lot of people say they say I'm, I'm doing this for the culture well what does that mean what does it mean that you're doing it for the culture right and i want to start with i want to start with this example zero facebook has announced that after after a year they're getting out of the podcasting game let me start with this question did you even know that facebook was a part of the podcasting game wait what they had a podcast or so they were host? What, what are you talking so, about? Yeah, so, so a year ago, and I, um, I, I'm embarrassed that I don't know about this. <laughs> right. I know. I wanted to catch you off guard, dude. See what, yeah. see, see if I could, uh, you know, trip you up here a little bit. So like, uh, there's several articles. The one, one I was looking at was from uh, TechCrunch, techcrunch.com. And so about a year ago, Facebook, you know, saw everything that was happening with, with uh, audio, right. With, with podcasts and like with clubhouse, and they started implementing their own versions of this stuff, right? And and so they had like they Facebook. Did? Yeah, yeah. I see. No one knew. 
but was it, that when they had like chat rooms during the pandemic or i'm sorry during the government lockdowns well i mean this was literally like facebook podcast for like a year or so but they, <laughs> yeah didn't know about this. yeah i'm um, so embarrassed <laughs> so but after after you know it, like i said it, it lasted for about a year now and they're getting out of it they're they're like this isn't working for us as a matter of fact they're going beyond just you know what they were trying to do with podcasts and they also announced that they were going to discontinue its short form audio sound bites feature and its audio hub in the coming weeks as well now they do want they to have an it. audio hub yeah okay well, are they, we using the same facebook or well and this is my point i, 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 I I'm, I'm building up to something so just like okay, stick with I'm gonna, me here. i'm gonna go along for the ride <laughs> St- stick with me here but uh, you know, so one confused th- right now. Well, one thing one thing that Facebook uh, did say is that they are, are going to integrate, and I think this is what you were kind of talking about, uh, live audio rooms, which is like its Clubhouse clone into like Facebook into like the Facebook Live experience. So they're still trying to do some stuff. But here's my thing: Facebook just deciding that, oh well, you know, so and so's doing this with podcasts, and, and and we see these guys doing podcasts. We need to do podcasts. Right, I think that's kind of how it went down from what I've been reading, and it's like I'm not sure that Facebook understood their culture. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think that they understood the people and what audience they have, right? Because I mean, most of the people that are really into podcast stuff or or what's going on with Clubhouse and some of these different uh, types of audio options out there, I'm not sure that they're the people that's rocking on Facebook. You know, they're not my mom. <laughs> yeah, well. And also, as a technology in general, Facebook had no business, quote unquote, being in the podcast game. Because for for those of you who don't understand what podcasting, podcasting is originally based on something called RSS technology. It's called Real Simple Syndication. And it was a system that let you update your website or update a specific part of your internet digital world server or whatever. And when you uploaded a file or made an update, Everyone who subscribed to that RSS feed would get a notification and then they would instantly open up that website. And then we implemented that in the podcast. So when you updated your feed, everyone who subscribed would get a notification and then they could download your podcast. Well, social media in general is a stripped down version of that where it's it's not controlled by the people who run it. It's controlled by a central service, Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And as they were taking over the, the, the culture or, or the communication space or whatever, podcasters kind of relied on social media rather than their own RSS feeds to reach their audience. But it's just another version of the same thing, speaking technology-wise. Like, I've leaned heavier into my RSS feed as a podcaster because Facebook has been so restrictive on my reach. Does that make sense? Yeah. So for them to get into podcasting, they're kind of getting in their own way. I could see why they could under why why this is a problem from them for them. Not only are they not understanding it, they don't understand why they never should have been in that business in the first place. Right, right. And that's the thing. Like, I mean, you know, the article talks about how they saw what Spotify was doing with their push into to podcasting over the last couple of years and, and you know apple and they kind of viewed it as a well maybe we can compete with them like like sorry that's that's not how it works you know so yes people are going to you know if your podcast has a a facebook account you're gonna go on there you're gonna share the link you know just like you would on any social media but for facebook to say oh we want we want to be a home for podcasts that was never like, gonna happen yeah no because i would never as a podcaster as somebody Oh, it's a totally different mindset. Like as a podcaster versus a any other kind of entertainer, you rely on your RSS feed to reach your audience. You rely on your email list and your RSS feed. When you rely too heavily on social media, you can't grow. And that's what we're all learning the hard way. I heard somebody on Twitter today talk about anytime they post something that they're trying to promote with their music, they get like 20 responses, but if they post literally anything else, you get a hundred bajillion responses. They know what they're doing, but I don't have to deal with that with my podcast feed. Like if you go to the zerohour.com, not only will you get the services that I benefit from for engagement online, but you know, it's a direct link to me as a, as a podcaster. So if you want to listen to the show, things like that, and 520 
the same way 520 collective if you use the rss feed every time we upload a new show you're gonna get it regardless of what facebook is feeling like this, that day I'll, I'll use this opportunity right here for a shameless plug if you want to get that into your email inbox as well go to 520collect.com sign up for our newsletter which comes out every month right after the podcast drops and notifies you guys that it's out as well uh, we'd love to add you to that list so go drop your email in there so we can do that but again th you know like i said this wasn't a meant to like i wasn't trying to poke at facebook necessarily with this i just felt like it was a really good example of something that we've been thinking about here and that's this idea of culture and how do we have this impact right like we you know for us specifically at 520 we've looked at it as hey you know it's cool what's happened with 520 and the christian hip-hop community right like at the end of the day i feel like music is a big part of culture but we want to make an impact for like that that bigger bubble of Christian believers as well. And how do we do that? And yeah, I mean, seeing what Facebook kind of went through this year with podcasting, it makes me think about like, okay, if we are going to start doing, start, start branching out a little bit more as a platform, as a community, and you know, highlight people that are really doing stuff to impact Christian culture, you know, whether it's music or uh, podcasting or, you know, filmmaking, whatever. First things first is we got to understand the culture in order to get our foot in the door and get the culture to open up and accept us, right? And I think that's the same thing for artists, man. Like, you know, go back to a few minutes ago. How many times have you heard an artist say, man, I'm doing this for the culture. Okay, cool. What, what exactly does that mean? What is it that you're doing? You know, we can say we're wanting to impact indie Christian culture, but what does that mean? I think it was really good for you to lead with the Facebook analogy because it is a it's a good example of what it means to misunderstand your culture. So I'm sitting here, I'm looking at some definitions, but the third definition, because the first two definitions talk about uh, art, letters, manners, scholarly pursuits. The second one is the excellence in arts or manners. But the third definition. But that, I mean, even that, that you said, like those first couple of definitions, right? Where they were talking about different aspects of like art. Like that's something that gets overlooked. I feel like whenever we're, you know, whenever you're talking about a sub genre of music, right? Like we get so fixated on, okay, Christ, Christian hip hop in, in our example, right? Where, man, there's a lot of people that are doing really cool stuff with music that's not christian hip-hop but it's still indie christian music right indie faith-based well, music I think that and they're not taking a colloquial approach to culture they're taking they're, they're looking at you know maybe what we're categorized uh characterizing as a subculture but let me let me jump back to miriam webster here it says the customary beliefs, social forms, material traits, and racial, religious, or social group. The shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterize an institution or organization. That's what I was more going for in terms of meaning. Of like, if Facebook misunderstands the attitudes, the values, the goals, really the perception that it holds with the people, it misunderstands its own culture. So like for, for them to be trying to compete with Spotify, you go to Spotify to listen to stuff. At first it was music and Spotify was like, well, we could open that up to podcasts. That makes sense for us. People come here to listen for stuff. You don't go to Facebook for that. That's why I was surprised that they even attempted because you go to Facebook to post pictures of your dog and your baby. When, when, you're, when you're finding your place in the culture, you have to become the thing that uh, people think of when they mention a generic version of whatever that subculture is. So think about McDonald's or Burger King. When somebody says, hey, you wanna go get a burger? Like the first thing that comes to mind is either McDonald's or Burger King, cause that's just like the top fast food chain or the local burger joint around the corner that that's what they're famous for is their burgers. Now, if all of a sudden they wanna get into the taco game, that would just be weird. And Facebook was doing the same thing. I'm, I'm bringing all that to say, look, with Christian artists, I think they misunderstand their place among the people. People come to us when they're in the mood for religion if they're in the mood for hard trap music they're not looking for religion if they're in the mood for porn and drugs they're not looking for religion and they have this like naive idea that they're going to infiltrate the culture and it's like if you're looking for your next fix and you run into church guy 
that's gonna bother you that's not you're not gonna be like oh that's cool he's cool i'll do this instead that just that doesn't happen unless god's working on your heart so it's like work on your place so that when people think music for christians or something like that that's what they know to go to you for that that's your place in the culture but if you're trying to be facebook and you'll be all things to everybody then you just don't mean anything to anyone and people ultimately will assign you a place in the culture and you don't want that yeah and i think you know just to kind of build off of that too we also have kind of lost sight of the fact that that making some noise inside of the christian hip-hop bubble that's not the culture either right that's it really a, isn't it's a, a culture for other christian hip-hop artists that's who's interested in christian hip-hop right now but the christian hip-hop bubble exists inside this bigger bubble of christian culture and while we may not be necessarily making like decisions or setting new standards for that bigger bubble we're still missing out on on an opportunity to have an impact and have a voice within it if we're just focused on this sphere that we feel good in (laughs) does that make sense yeah if you're trying to impress other people within your subculture i think you're probably not focusing on the right thing like i said with advertising for burgers they're not mcdonald's isn't trying to impress the other restaurants they don't even have the best burger they just that's just what people know like they say burger mcdonald's that's it that's what they know because they just market themselves to normal people and if the christian artist markets himself to the christian that's not a musician then people will say christian music oh that's why every time when i go to a new church and i say i'm a christian rapper or i like christian rap they say have you ever heard of toby mack like that is not the first thing you're supposed to think about when it comes to christian rap but like for some reason literally every time i go to a new church they go have you like it's a secret like like they're discovering so like you know like they got this secret thing i never heard have you ever heard of toby mack have you ever heard of lecrae it's like yeah that was that was cool in 2017 like i listened to him they've been assigned like this is christian rap and like other christian artists have failed to i guess in a way condescend to their level because uh, I, like i always say i think it's become way too esoteric it's like an inside joke for all these cool kids that get it but like we need to be making it understandable and accessible and targeting the normal christians who aren't musicians and, and if you can t- win them but even on top of that ahead. well i'm just saying even on top of that like if you start thinking about you know these individual spheres inside the bigger sphere right so if you've got indie rock as a as a one of the smaller spheres, right? And whatever, like I said, you know, go back to, you know, just any, any, anyone that you want to throw out there as far as like on the creative level, right? Whether it's podcasters, filmmakers, whatever, right? Creatives, they, they all have their individual bubble, right? Within the, the, the larger Christian culture. If we can start connecting those smaller bubbles together and we start, cre- you know, building overlap, now where it's hard for the christian hip-hop bubble to maybe have the the huge impact that we hope on the christian culture if you start connecting these dots then it becomes a bigger sphere within christian culture in general right and so you talk what what do you mean like uh how how do we how would you act that out a little bit i'm thinking about it from like some of our conversations and what we've been talking about with 520 right if we're able to start highlighting someone that is working for a christian video game developer we can oh like joe from makasari studios yeah we can we can you know if we, we talk to someone like that and we bring them in and raise awareness of them within our particular bubble now our bubble grows a little bit right becomes a little yeah, bit like bigger. that's a good example um let's take joe from makasari studios again joe joe has a he recently put out a video where he was reviewing a christian movie because he does games and and film joe doesn't review film for filmmakers he doesn't talk about the lenses and the composition and the angles used and the frame rate and stuff like that's that's nerdy crap that only filmmakers care about he oriented his entire video in such a way that i kind of knew it was for me and the kids and so the kids were in there they're watching it they were engaged in what he was saying they were entertained by what he was saying he got those views and then at the end of the video they said hey can we watch that movie that he was talking about and like that's the connection we should be making he's a youtuber 
yes, he's getting his audience. And then he primed a wide range of people. You had two adults and three children in the room who were interested in this movie that we never heard of versus the music reviewer who uses all this like nerdy music talk that only appeals to other musicians. Is that in the realm, the wheelhouse of what you're talking about here? I think so. I think so. I think it goes back to this idea. It, it, we see it in the mainstream. And when you talk about someone that's like a podcaster, right? You, you hear this message of you got to niche down. You got to niche down. You gotta get, and, I, and I get it. I get its purpose. But I think there's also the other side of it where you can take this niching down too far and you lose yeah, touch yeah. with these other with these other people that are still have a similar mindset as you and if you guys build together you know you cross audiences then that sphere of influence grows right and that's really what we're looking for right are we when we talk about i'm doing this for the culture and i want to impact the culture we're talking about i want to put something out here that has a sphere of influence to cause some sort of change you know, whatever that change is, I think when we talk about what we're doing with 520, we're seeing some issues, some common issues, you know, that they're not new, uh, but there's like these complaints with the mainstream Christian society in America, right? And we're like, well, what can we do? We can, can we challenge do? them. Well, let's start. I think that's the biggest problem with the mainstream Christian society or culture uh, in terms of entertainment. Is they're just not being challenged by other people with reason like if you if you put out whatever and that's the only thing that's there then you're you have no ch no reason to like get your game up meanwhile everybody is saying i'm doing this for this culture and what they really mean is like some subculture that only a few people know about where you're not really changing lives you're like you're cool with other people in this subculture and then they know that you're the christian version of them you know you're one of them but you also go to church and that's not changing the culture like changing the culture is i'll give you another example when i used to dj in the nightclubs and stuff one of the rules that one of the things that separated me from a lot of other djs and i'm pretty sure i hope that this is commonplace now and i learned this from a, another dj who was my mentor you play to the girls in the club i don't care everybody could be like just swole you know muscles up to their neck and and angry and whatever and they all holding on to their pistols I'm not playing music for them. I'm playing music for the girls. And then the girls go dance. And then the guys want to dance with the girls. And that's how you get the whole bar involved. It's like a wedding DJ. He plays music that the kids and the adults and grandma can enjoy. Understanding what that means and how to, how to play to... You got to play to the room. But if the room is just like... You can't play to a corner of the room. You have to play to the whole room. Well, and I'm going to throw this question out. I actually posted this in our Twitter community. And if you guys haven't joined that, go to our Twitter account... Um, and it's linked or it's pinned right at the top. You can join the community. You get some exclusive content in there. Uh, but I want to pose this question to you, but even more so, I want to pose this question to the listener because I don't have like a clear answer for this right now. So I'm very interested to hear a lot of thoughts on this. If we're we're looking at it as 520 collective, right? We And the collective is an important part, right? We want to bring people in and we want to do this thing together. It's all of us plus the people that support what's going on here, right? If we're going to talk about this platform, how do we feel like we can have the best impact on Christian culture with the platform that we've been building and, and make sure that we're following the way that we're, uh, we feel like we're being led. If you're listening to the podcast, uh, I want you to go and join the Discord, join the Twitter community, go to the website and, and leave a comment in the, the podcast post, whatever. I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Like, what do you see us as a collective being able to do to have true impact on this indie Christian culture? I know that one of the biggest problems that I had when I be, first became a Christian was leaving the old things behind and then adopting newer things. And, and that's one of the reasons I was so serious about Christian music and DJing and things like that in my early Christian years was because I had a mission to discover those things because they weren't just readily available. If you're an artist, I think that you need to adopt a people group, bring them into the world of what you do. And it, and it shouldn't necessarily be a group of people that are already like involved in it. So like if you do rap, don't don't go to the streets for the like find somebody that you can make that relevant to. Like you're there's a guy you wouldn't under like he, he installs car stereos and he listens to metal and he's 
got a family and he's just a regular guy that works at his shop on cars and he's he's like i want some christian rap that i can listen to and all i can find is like and he listed off some stuff adopt that guy not not the guy from the streets that's out there in the hood and in the culture and stuff like adopt the normal guy at work i think if you adopt that if you take that mindset that you're going to adopt us you know whatever that group of people is that you feel like you relate to as a person that's a good way to impact the culture for me i relate more personally to people that are like deep in the philosophy and theology apologetics doctrine who like talking about that stuff so i have to talk about that stuff in my music i don't necessarily dress it up in terms but like that's the direction i take with my music because those are the people that i relate to it's not where i come from at all but that those are the people that i relate to in christ well and i would also say that if i'm gonna say i'm doing this for the culture and by culture i mean i'm doing this for my buddies then i can't be shocked and i can't be like Man, why 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 is it not doing more? Well, because how how hard is it to to make an impact with your 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 circle? It's not. They they should have your back no matter what you're doing, right? So I think if you truly want to make an impact in a culture, you got to get uncomfortable. You got to go to places where I don't where like I said where it's just not like you were saying like the, the average guy, not not the person that you would necessarily think of, right? But there's that uncomfortable you got to be vulnerable while I have no idea what it looks like as far as what's coming up. The one thing I am pretty certain of is, is that I'm excited about the path we're on nervous to a degree, I guess a little uncomfortable, but yet even with all that excited, you know, and I feel like we've got a good team. We've got good collective. Cause it, like I said, it's not just us. We got people in the discord, right? That, are along for this ride and support us. Like I feel like God's putting us in a place where we can have a true impact. You know what I, what that looks like? I don't know, but I think we we can do it. So let's do it together. If you want to talk about a guy who has taken skills and been able to impact his local culture, that's the guy we got coming up on the industry insider interview zero. We got Black Lick. So he's an artist out of Richmond, Virginia. He's also a uh, radio show host. He's got a couple of radio shows. And he joined us this month on the podcast on the Industry Insider Interview to talk about what is the role of radio in today's music scene. You know, a lot of people like to think that radio is dead. Oh, and no. he says that's simply not yeah, the truth. Yeah, that's a you whole know? different animal right there. simply not the man. truth. So make sure you stick around after the break uh, for the Industry Insider interview with Black Lick. Again, guys, Industry Insider interview uh, with our guy Black Lick coming up after the break. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, to this episode. And we will be back at it again next month. What's up, it's the publisher here, Mr. Kelly Cole. You're rocking with 520 Collective Podcast. Keep it locked. Artist, what is the key to getting your music to your target listener? Making sure that your catalog is available where people are listening. Trackstars is helping independent artists do just that with Nectar Distro. Sign up for Nectar today to have your music delivered for you to all the major digital streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, SoundCloud, YouTube, and much, much more. Go to 520collective.com slash Nectar, that's N-E-C-T-A-R now, to sign up and keep 100% of your royalties along with all of your music rights. With monthly payouts, comprehensive reports, specialty tools like the single maximizer and account management services, along with a dedicated team that understands your needs as an artist, it really is hard to beat what Nectar Distro and Trackstars bring to the table. So hit up 520collective.com slash Nectar to get started now. Hey guys, I want to say thank you for listening to the 520 Collective Podcast. This month's Industry Insider interview is coming up in just a moment. Before we listen in, make sure to check out 520collective.com. It is the home for indie news and faith-based hip-hop. Follow us on social media, including Twitter and Instagram at 520 underscore co. Also, to get exclusive content, hit up our Audio Mac account where you'll find extended interviews, playlists, and more. Let's jump into this month's interview. Welcome to this month's Industry Insider Interview, brought to you officially by TheBookkeeper247.com. 
What's up? I'm glad you're tuning in for this industry insider interview here on the 520 Collective Podcast. Big shout out to our interview sponsor. As always, it is the bookkeeper 24-7. Go check them out at tbk247.com where they are putting on for the culture. They're, they're looking to you know make sure people know what's going on within the Christian hip-hop space. Um, and man, we appreciate those guys, Daryl and the team over at the bookkeeper 24 7 so go show them love again it's tbk247.com and joining me right now on the 520 collective phone line he is an artist uh speaker educator radio host a, a whole uh list of things i guess and we, we can dive into those as we go but right now on the phone line with me it is black lick what's going on man i am chilling can't complain just trying to stay warm because it decided to get cold out here yes it did man and, and you're in uh you're in virginia right so it's not too far from where i'm at so i, I know it's been cold here lately yeah it was uh i'll never forget like a few weeks ago it was like 70 and then it snowed the, the following day and it has a fluctuation like today is the coldest day it's gonna be a little bit higher tomorrow but yeah they, they, they definitely got me and uh, my my lab is 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 hood, so I got to make sure I put the uh, put the heat on in the right number around here. But I'm good, man. I'm good, and it's, it's a privilege to be on here, man, and talk with you. Yeah, yeah man. We're, we're we're glad you were able to join us, and um, you know, let, let's just talk about just like what you've accomplished as an artist uh, briefly, because I know you've played shows with some of the biggest names in hip hop. Uh, just give, give the folks a rundown of of Black Lick the artist, man. Ooh, okay. So this is uh this is the A to Z. The Blacklick story is is really about, like I said, saying yes. And what happened is first I started out as a guy who would go to shows and I would just freestyle. Anytime, any space that I could get, I'd freestyle. Anytime I showed up, you say straight now, I look bummy. Always mad bummy because I was mad broke. And um I didn't care though, because you judge me solely solely by the way that you see me, then I know you're not listening to me. So I was always focused on being myself and always putting myself out there even if people thought i was in a situation where they looked at me at a disadvantage they had preconceived notions i quickly realized that the way that i could finally uh convince people is by not convincing them by being because if i'm always stepping up to work then you're going to find out one way or another and that led to me not only dropping a ridiculous amount of projects just independently hand-to-hand moving them whether it was for free or for fee you know over the years i released in the early phases, probably, uh, I think it was like 15 records, like 15 albums. Like, cause I went on this whole thing where when I lost everything, I recorded for nine months straight. I did a hundred songs and then I broke those all up into albums. And then the next year, every month I went and I found people and I just, I, I moved with the CDs in my pocket and I just, I burned them. I wrote them by hand and I passed them out. That drive and work ethic got me recognized by a lot of people just off the strength of like this dude. Whether his music sounds great or not, he's actually at least he's trying. And in a lot of ways, he's doing. And then when I aggressively started performing as well, and I did like 160 shows my first year because I was just like, I'll rap at any venue. Not like I'm going to go stand on the corner, but like, yo, if there's a show, I'm in there and I'm going to destroy that joint. You put me on first, third, last, or whatever. Once I do my thing, it's mine. And so I took that mentality and that got me all the way up to the point where I ended up getting the opportunity by um, saying yes to an earlier opportunity where I was supposed to perform at a uh, SPCA benefit, but it was at the big venue, the national. I took that conversation and I took the opportunity and I was very, very much into communicating with them. And so they did me a call and they're like, hey, the national's looking for somebody to go for Snoop. And they were like, we can't guarantee you anything, but here's the contact. I made the contact and I always tell people, this is one of the most important things that I ever did was when the people at the National asked me why I deserve to open for Snoop Dogg, I told them it's not that I deserve to open for him, it's that I'm willing to be transparent with you and tell you what I can and cannot do, and I will put 100% of myself behind pursuing this opportunity and maximizing the effectiveness and professionalism that takes place throughout the the entire existence of this opportunity. I'm not here to, to have, I'm here to earn. And when I told them that, they were like, you know what, we're gonna give you a chance. And that opportunity came with the, the problem of having to sell a lot of tickets at a very high price and being on a contract where if I didn't sell them, I'd have to pay a certain amount of money. And I had no money in my pocket. 
but I worked at in the streets and that led to me opening up for Snoop again, for uh, Bone Thugs twice, I opened for GMX three times, for Fabulous, for uh, Styles P, for Inspector Deck, for Raekwon, uh, Big Poo. Uh, I headlined that venue like three or four times. And then on the side of that, I also created my own show series that ran for eight years called Face Melt Friday and I threw 44 events, 43 were face melt, and then there was another one that was like a conclusive visit when the venue closed called Strange Matter, and that was the 44th event. And so I learned how to blueprint shows and work shows, both on, the, on a giant scale and on a lower scale. And then on top of that, I also, because I couldn't get on the radio in Richmond, despite being an artist who was very much part of Richmond's community and being known as, as I, a publication referred to me as a pillar of Richmond's hip hop community, I got on a radio station called uh, WRIR 97.3 FM. And then I also, at the same time, in the same week, got on a, a show on another station called uh, WDCE 90.1 FM, which is University of Richmond College Station. So I took those two shows and I uh, started doing what people wouldn't do for me because 92.1 and, and you know, the big iHeart stations, all that, they weren't trying to play somebody like me. And I uh, was like, that's cool. Instead of being resent resentful, I was like, I'm going to create the opportunity for people just like me who want to be heard and, and are having a hard time penetrating the the esoteric mountain of uh, of commercial radio and i managed to create platforms that were really for artists and i leveraged those relationships also while writing for publications like rva mag and then also working in public and private schools teaching off of the premise of my diy ethos and in my background in hip-hop and how i've used hip-hop as an element to really just continue to tell my story and and sometimes in its rawest form sometimes in its most polished form but I um, continued to build that, and that led to me playing, you know, big gigs like Soundset Festival with Rhyme Stairs. I ended up landing that. I went to that first as a guest because I, I landed a, um, I got, I just happened to kind of get cool with a slug from Atmosphere, and he and I were talking, and he invited me to come out and check it out. I went as a guest, and I came back and covered it as a media person because Rhyme Stairs' story is just like anybody in Richmond trying to build. And then um, just off the strength of my work, I didn't, I, I randomly got asked to play it. And I found out Slug had nothing to do with that. And that was amazing that I was recognized for my work and my, my, cause I was always servicing their records. I was always pushing. And that led to me doing that, playing Soundset and Soundset the festival that has like 50,000 people in attendance. And yeah, I paid a pretty big crowd of that. And then I rocked First Avenue and that was a sold out crowd there. And then I ended up um, later on, I ended up getting signed to Strange Famous after uh, under, under Sage Francis and all them after a whole lot of other things that, that went down in the pandemic happening. But I say all that to say that like, I never let what wasn't stop me from seeing what is. And that's what's allowed me to continue to um, make these records and, and to continue to thrive as an artist who isn't necessarily somebody who pulls the biggest numbers, but I pull the strongest connection because I've always been told about the power of relationships and the power of communicating and that's why opportunities like this are awesome because i get to speak on that in a very candid fashion versus just being like my album came out it's on strange famous records it's called time is the price yeah i want you to listen to my album yeah i want you to hear my story but i want everybody to see how important it is that they tell their story too and that's that's really what the summation of my entire career whether it be the ted talk or playing a big show or releasing an extremely dope album or getting signed to a label, everything is just about telling your story. And everybody's story is priceless because nobody else can live your life. So that's Black Lit. Well, guys, again, joining me on the 520 Collective phone line is Black Lick. Uh, we're loving the conversation right now. And, you know, one thing I want to pick your brain on is radio and how that has changed and why it's still important in today's you know, music industry, you know, especially for hip hop. And I guess, you know, first shout, shout out to the stations, man. Like I know, I think you're involved with a couple of different ones. So, so give them a shout out. Yeah. Number one, of course. And I, like I tell people all the time as well, I'm on WRIR 97.3 FM. That's WRIR.org also for the online stream and archive. And then I'm also on WDCE 90.1 FM, which is University of Richmond station, a college radio station. And um, that's WDCE.net. I do a show called Hip Hop for the Rest of Us on Saturday nights from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. on WRAR. And I do a show called Hip Hop 101 Monday nights from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on University of Richmond Station. I'm also the Hip Hop Programming Director for University of Richmond Station. And so what that means is that 
I only not only as a DJ am I empowered to play people's music, but as a uh, hip programming director, I'm able to put people's music into rotation and then also share it with my other DJs and service those records. So I say all that to say that if you're listening to this right now and you're a hip hop artist, feel free. I don't play R&B and all that, but if you're a hip hop artist, you can go to my Instagram, for instance, which is B-L-A-C-K-L-I-Q. All my social media handles are the same. It's all black lit. But you'll see on my profile, there's a post highlight that says send music. And you can send me your music and I'll check it out. Chances are I'll play it or get it played and um, you'll be on the radio. But of course, you do have to have a clean record without curse words or and you can clean your record in the studio. You can have somebody clean it, which we'll get into. But that is what I uh, do in the shows that I'm on. And that's it's been incredible. I've been doing it for, I think, over 12 years now. The, the, the interesting thing for me you know, with radio and I'm a big believer in radio, you know, growing up, that's, that's what it was. Right. I mean, that's where you could hear the new stuff. I mean, with that, other than turning on and watching like MTV or something. Right. But with digital streaming and, and everything that the way with the way music is consumed now, you, you've got some varying opinions on some of these ways to get in contact with music. Right. Like you got some people who think that radio is dead right or if not dead they just don't view maybe radio as that important and i feel like if you're an artist and that's the outlook you have on it you're really still missing out on a very valuable opportunity when it comes to radio however you believe you either believe that djs still break records or you don't i don't know i don't care regardless of of your thought there it's like dude there's still people, there's still a potential fan base that you can tap into that you're not, if you're not getting your music in front of these stations, right? Um, like, what, how do you feel on that, man? Like, well, you know, the, uh, the thing is, is one, I think a lot of artists have no idea about how publishing works or what non interactive media versus interactive media is, what a PRO really does versus the DSP, you know, what is, what is Spinatron, what is Sound Exchange, what is, what is, you know, BMI or ASCAP. These are the things that people throw out and everybody's like, you should own your masters. They don't even know what their masters are or whether or not their masters that have any sort of value through a path of exploitation. So there's a lot of music industry aspects that artists remain ignorant in simply off of principle. The other aspect is, is that radio is nothing more than a representation of choice. You know, radio by and large, FM radio, internet radio even, is, um, is non-interactive media. That's why certain PR, PROs handle it. And um, your DSP, your streaming software, your streaming source, instead, that's something that's interactive media. That's for you as a consumer select what you want to hear. Every person in this era of social media and multimedia being in the palm of your hand is having so much power of a choice, yet, but kind of very little influence over what you're offering beyond where the algorithm responds to your choice. All of it is built around every person being their own broadcast entity. And so what happens is that, to, to simplify that example, is that imagine what, you, what your life would be like if you controlled everything you encounter every day. You only saw what you wanted to see. How much would you really know about a culture or about anything, about birds, about food, about any, any aspect of humanity is limited by the spectrum of, of living solely by your perspective. And what radio does is it creates a very hard to acquire opportunity for you to be heard next to somebody that you never be next to artist-wise. And then in the same stride by that consumer. I used to love saying that I'd take, I would play, I'd go from Waka Flocka to Wu-Tang. And I'd make the two blend together and, and seamlessly transition from one record to the next. And you'd find out that a Wu-Tang fan likes Waka Flocka. And you find out that a Waka Flocka fan likes Wu-Tang. Well, these are two completely often combating forces of the aspect of hip-hop and quote-unquote rap. You know, so that in itself is an opportunity that a lot of artists don't get. And also, a lot of artists think it's an inevitable thing. It's like, when I get to that level... You shouldn't be at that level at this point when you start in the game. You shouldn't be making music that sounds any level of quality uh, less than what's being put out there. 
Because when you're out here in the game, when you're on a DSP, if your sound quality doesn't sound good, I tell people all the time, if I have to move my uh, the mixer up five dBs or you know up up or down on the board to play a record, I'm gonna do that. But ninety percent of these, these other DJs are not, because the overall volume of your record determines the um you know whether or not it can consistently blend with somebody else's records at an industry standard, and those standards constantly evolve it. But I say again that it comes to choice and people who submit their choice to choose a station. When you're on, when you're popping on the internet and you're doing all this, you have yet to cross over to the non-interactive media because those are people who are looking for you. Whereas radio allows you audibly to be seen and you have a whole new cast of, of peers who you don't even know. It's literally the opportunity to stand up and be and stand out in a crowd. And I can't tell you how many times people who I know who who was totally crap on the idea of radio when they hear something on my show that they like, they'll say, yo, who is that? Or they'll pull out of their own way to cut away a choice. They'll shazam it and be like, yo, what record is this? And then they'll add that to their own playlist. So there's an intermingling even through that creative aspect and that user-defined um, experience of what is selected to be heard that any artist who thinks um, that radio is a waste of time or is dead is missing. And, and yes, definitely, DJs still do break records, and they uh, they do more than break records. They break and they reinforce personalities just as much as any other, like No Jumper or something, any other platform, because all these different audiences, whether they swell or shrink, they have dedicated listeners, and also radio is a, is a qualifier. If your record is heard and supported by iHeart, if it's picked up on that, if it's done by, by stretching Bobito, you know, if Sway's playing your record, you immediately, if Status Select is messing with you, you immediately are qualified to be heard in all these other areas. You are now a peer. Even though you've always been a peer, because you were peers, you're now a peer. And that means that you can say, put that respect in my name. And, and also, you know, that is a, um, a reason why I tell every artist when you're in the studio and you got an engineer, when, you, when you're bouncing your record, make sure you bounce out a version without the curse words too. Dub the lyrics out. Dub the curse words out. That way you can, every DJ who hears your song, because that's hard, they'll let me get a copy of that. You send it to them, it should have a DJ pack that's a clean version so that your music can be heard in all these different markets that you're ruling yourself out. It's self-deceit. It's stupid to be like, it's like going to the laundromat with a pocket full of hundreds when the machine only takes dollar bills. Something's got to change. Exactly. Exactly. And, and and now this is my opinion. You know, I feel like one thing in this era of, of DSPs and people putting so much focus on being on Spotify and, and Apple Music and all this stuff is that while that's cool, they're missing out on building not only a target art audience, but missing out on connecting with their local community as well, where you can get some true support. And, and pe- for whatever reason, there's a lot of artists not making that connection. I don't know. It's, it's kind of confusing to me as to why that's happening. Oh, I, I got I got a way. I got a way to, to explain that to you. And they, and the two words are in common in it, and that's media. But the difference is, is that people think social media counts as media training, and they're they're two completely different things. As somebody who's worked in media, I can recognize who's a media trained artist and who's not especially when I watch an interview or if I, and like a lot of these artists now that they, they come around, they have no idea how to market themselves, how to build a relationship, how to communicate. They've never sent out a press email before. They've never read a press email before. And that's, that's one of the keys that being in directly involved with the distribution of your music to radio stations. Not only do you have to believe in your music every time you hit that send button, you have to get used to rejection. And you also have to learn how to support and carry the narrative when you do get elevated by being on a broadcast entity. And I think a lot of that is missed because artists want to constantly stay in positions where people can't tell them no. And it's a scary, disgusting, terrible world out here, man. But that doesn't mean that it's a world where you're guaranteed to lose. You're going to have to lose a lot. You know, but so what? It doesn't. It's not the end of the day because somebody told you no, and or somebody said they don't like your record. Send, you can send a DJ another record. You, you should, you're an artist. You should never be running out of music. You can constantly come up with new concepts and new ways to execute and to present yourself in the best light that you currently are and with the best sound. And I think a lot of these artists are scared of that. They'd rather look cool than show 
who they are and do it in a way that they can't control. Like I had a guy say, yeah, you can interview me and then I'll edit the interview. It's like, why would I ever do that? It's it's such a contradictory mentality. They don't understand that podcast is like long form talk radio with an interactive media selective process of all. Like they don't, they don't want to do that because it, it, it means that you are not in control when it gives you more control than ever. If you know who you are and what you're doing. The easiest way to gain a fan or to, to gain a supporter or for somebody to know something about you is to offer them, to offer to do something for them. And like, I don't understand a rapper who has a, a, social, a social media profiles and they're on private. Like those are the kinds of things I see. You're a rapper and you tell me about yourself and then I try to follow you and I have to request. So which is it? Make up your mind. Are you out here or not? You know? And you know, if you want people to know you, the best thing you can do is get to know them. Like, why are you so concerned about having that leverage? It's like, uh, it's it's like in Star Wars where you know he Anakin's jumping at Obi Wan, and, and, and Obi Wan's like, "Don't do it, man! I got the leverage. I'm gonna cut you down." And they just do it anyway, over and over again. And then they get mad when they ain't got a leg to stand on. And it's like, yo, you're defeating yourself. You know, view the room, learn the terrain. And most of all, don't take the people in your community for granted because the people in your community, they feel just like you because they live in the same community as you, man. Exactly. They're exactly. Like there. And, and I want to I want to do a, a, a short follow up here. Um, it, it, I don't know. It may be two parts. Um, however, you want to answer it. Uh, but you talked about, you know, obviously making two versions of your song, right? Making a radio edit to get to DJs. And I think that's a great place to kind of start, but say I'm an artist and, and I've done that, right? I've made my song. Where do you point that artist to as far as like those initial steps at that point? Oh yeah, no, no, I, I, got, a, I got a pretty, let's see here. The best way to say it is this. Okay, number one, when you're in the studio and you have your, you got your record, make sure your clean version is completely clear. So you listen to it, and make sure that it's clean completely. Listen to it several times. And also, when you get a clean version of your song, listen to it low, because um, chances are somebody's hearing your music in the background. You want to make sure that it sounds good low. And um, you want to make sure it sounds good loud. A lot of engineers trick artists into thinking their mix is good just by playing their music on extremely loud on, on high, high quality speakers. Play your song in the car before you leave the studio. Make sure that it, it sounds good. Um, number two, though, is once you do have your record complete, you need to figure out number one you should definitely try on your own i think i think every artist should go through the miserable process of sending individual in emails to different radio stations even if you have a uh, copy and paste portion of the email you should try to find a way to personalize each individual or station or whatever it is that you contact don't spam somebody with links send an actual email to them directly be professional when you contact them on social media and say hey i've got a record don't tell somebody your record's a hit your record doesn't have millions of plays it's not a hit and even if it does it's not a hit you know if you were if it was a hit you wouldn't be sending the record you'd be getting asked for it so unless they're asking you for it it's not a hit so treat it as such say it's, your music is it may not be a hit but what your music is is an opportunity both for you and for the audience to hear it for the person who's playing it because every dj wants to be the one who breaks the record so if you got a hot record, say, hey, listen, this is my new record. Make it quick. Have a quick, succinct intro. It's personal. And then put your record on there. Make sure the file name is straight. Everybody, don't send bounce out number A underscore mix underscore fire underscore. No, it should have your name and then it should have a song title and it should say clean. That's it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You talked about artists sin- submitting music to you for your station just like whenever you get those submissions in like what's a couple of things that you're looking for from a record that you that will make you think man maybe i'm gonna add this to the rotation oh oh yo this is this is great um (laughs) yo i hate it when somebody emails me their song and i have clear instructions and you followed none of them now me i might hit you up everybody else i know was deleted your file name. Why do I got to rename your song? I told you how to name it. Why do I got to rename it? You know, like that's another one. Is your song actually clean? If I play your song, why do I randomly hear the N word in it? The, um, the thing that you just want to always make sure you do is you send an email, brief intro. That's maybe two or three sentences. You want to immediately get to the artwork, all the social media handles. And then, and you want to have that link preferably, um, below the artwork. You should declare it if you state that it's clean 
and you should definitely send a positive source of follow-up. Say, hey, you know, like check in on it. And when you do get played, contact back and say thank you. You know, stuff like that goes a long way because this is a very, being a DJ is a very thankless deed a lot of times, you know, like being a parent practically as they say, to show that you actually care equally. Because like, if you don't care, why should I care? That's that's the, the ultimate determining factor. It's like, if you don't care, why should I care? Right, at all. Just like you ask insightful questions that show that you took some time to think about it. That makes me feel great which means that makes me really focus on giving you answers that, that mean something. And it also means that your audience, who hopefully is, is already in tune with how important your perspective is and how engaged you are in presenting the best quality questions, everybody is in a bubble of where they're already past the point of accepting what something is and they want to really know about it and why and walk away with their version of understanding. Like, again, if you're not willing to leave with your passion instead of just your enthusiasm and your entitlement, you're not, you're setting yourself up for failure. And I mean, that's, that's like, as somebody who's interviewed hundreds of people by now, myself, and done just as many interviews about myself, like, I really appreciate the time that you've taken to ask real questions and have a real conversation with me and treat me like a person instead of just a product. And I think a lot of people don't realize that at the end of the day, just because you're somebody who's making music and you're a rapper or you're a singer or whatever, and you really believe in your record, you need to recognize the fact that you believe in yourself, but also the person that's going to be playing your music or exposed to it is a person before anything else. So treat each other like humans, man. Like just try to look at somebody's life and recognize that you're asking for space in their life. And that's, and then space in their attention span and watch what happens when you do that over time. Not just when you do it once, but when you do it 99 times at a hundredth person, it might be the one that actually shows you that, yo, you are right. You know, you've been doing right by all these others. And then those other people, they might turn around and be like, okay, I can't tell you how many times I've played a song and because I played it, somebody else is playing it. Guys, I hope you're listening to what was just said because nowhere in there was Black Lick talking about, you know, a, a sonic part of your record, right? It wasn't about, oh, I'm just listening for the the hottest track. Right. I mean, I'm sure that. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. I'm sure that plays into it at, at some point along the line, but that's not the the, the big impression. Man, Black, I, I, I love just what you've brought to the podcast, man. Yeah, man. There, there's just been a ton of, of gems on here, man, that, that I think if people are really listening and artists, I'm, again, I'm talking directly to you right now. You're really listening. I hope you're taking notes and then. You're taking those steps to put it into practice, right? Because uh, especially when we're talking about the the, the, the Christian hip hop space, right? Christian rap. While there's been strides taken, especially in the past decade, as a whole, as a community, as a genre, we're still not there. So I want to see you guys getting better. And this right here is ways to do that. So, uh, man, Black, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Again, shout out, um, you know, whoever you want to shout out. And make sure you throw out your socials and all that good stuff, like where people go and support you, man. Once again, um, first off, my social media is all the same. Twitter, Facebook, all that. It's B-L-A-C-K-L-I-Q. Black Lick. One word. Um, I do want to say, if you're an artist, hit me up. I'm always down to talk. I'm, I'm not going to talk to you on the phone, but I'll definitely talk to you over social media. We can do some DMs or whatever. I, I'm, a, I'm a big text message person, so I'm not trying to be like, yo, I got leverage. I'm just saying I'm just not a big phone person often. You know, This has been a fantastic, wonderful conversation, by the way, but I'm just not a big phone person. But I would love to communicate with you and also have my words in front of your face so you don't have to remember what I said. You can look at it and say, that's what he said. Uh, number two, um, internet-wise, people you should follow are um, Rap Coalition, which is Windy Day. You should follow Blame the Label, which is Amir and Bessie. Um, you should follow, uh, let me say, including the Atmosphere, of course. They, you know, that's typically, which you, if you want to see what's possible when you dedicate your life to the game, look at Rhyme Sage. Look at Sage Francis. Look at Strange Famous Records, Rhyme Sign too. Look at... Um, people who are passionate currency people like that who actually really just regardless of what you may think of their music tech nine strange music they've all decided to build things one step at a time try to consume things on social media that inspire you to try to reach 
for your goals, but recognize that you're going to get there one inch at a time. It's just, it's rare that there are any shortcuts. You'll work twice as hard trying to find a shortcut towards your goal. And um, at the end of the day, remember, Christian hip hop is still hip hop, which means that the truth is universal and it's evident. And, you know, you might have more spirit in there than somebody else, but regardless, the thing that, that is always going to be there is you. And if they don't want to hear one part of it, there's still a whole lot about you that they can hear. So find that balance, find ways to, to really make sure your message is clear and that it's not exclusionary and always keep the faith and be focused and positive in what you do. Because at the end of the day, it is God willing it's the start of another. And that's an opportunity. And that's it. That's it right there. So um, guys, again, we want to give a shout out to all of our episode sponsors, including the bookkeeper 24 seven, make sure you go check them out at TBK 247com And yeah, man, giving you guys a shout out for tuning in and supporting this episode. We will catch y'all on the next one. All right, we're so glad that you tuned in for this episode of the 520 Collective Podcast. In fact, we don't want it to end here. Make sure to join our server on Discord and be part of the growing community that's centered around faith-based hip-hop. Let us know your thoughts about the topics covered in this episode and tap into a variety of live events. Go to 520collective.com slash Discord now to join.